0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
1: Hey everybody, Stephen Godfrey from Podcast Ain't Play Nobody. Myself, my podcast co-host, Bill Connolly. Last year we raised a bunch of money for some flood victims in Baton Rouge, Louisiana after that area saw some devastating, devastating damage. Of course, you guys have seen the news. You know what's going on in Houston right now. We are going to come back in 2017 and do the same thing. We're going to do it bigger. We're going to be joined by other SB Nation and Vox Media podcasts, and we are going to raise money for Houston. Until then, contact the Red Cross if you want to donate. Stay tuned. We love you, Houston.
2: Welcome back. Limited upside team podcast preview series continues. We're at the halfway mark, and we're starting with playoff teams, and we'll start with Chicago Bulls, who are not going to be a playoff team this year. They were technically last year. Chances are they might be the worst team in the league. It's not a happy time to be a Bulls fan, and to wallow in that misery, we've got Ricky O'Donnell from sbnation.com. We've got Jason path from Blogable, The same two that we had last year, our two big Bulls friends. And we talk a little bit about you know the Jimmy Butler trade and sort of the what has gone wrong with this organization over the last few years. We wallow a lot in that. Like, why didn't they value Jimmy Butler? Why can't they evaluate talent? You know, all all that. That's about the first half of the show. Then we get into a couple stuff with this year's team. We talk about Laurie Markkinen, who's starring at Eurobasket. We talk about Zach Levine a little bit. It gets a little more exciting, but overall, this is going to be a bad team, and the conversation reflects that. This is a Limited Upside podcast. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes at Limited Upside. We'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, good or bad. We want to know how we're doing uh, with stars. We want to see, hear from our readers and anyone who has actually left a review for us, uh, one of the 52 that are up there, knows that we take those reviews very seriously. We actually have taken back feedback. From them and improve the podcast. So we really want to hear from you on what you like, what you want to see a little bit more of, maybe what you want to see less of, all of that. Uh, You can also send us questions on Twitter at limited underscore upside. We ask those on the show and shout out a lot of people who do. So if you want to have your name in and on the show, ask us a question in any of these upcoming team previews. After this, we got Indiana, we have Portland, but for now the Chicago Bulls. This is the limited upside podcast. We're back. Limit Upside Podcast, NBA Team Preview Series are back. We're at the midway point. We're beginning the playoff teams. And we're beginning the playoff teams with a team that will definitely not be making the playoffs next year. The Chicago Bulls. (laughs) Ricky O'Donnell from SBNation.com. Jason Pat from Bloggable, and today's Fast Break. uh, Back again after last year. Last year's podcast, we were all kind of a little bewildered. This year, I think we're all just kind of sad. Is that about right?
0: Yeah, basically. The team is uh, kind of depressing at this point. Big Jimmy Butler trade. Obviously, they, they picked a direction. That was like a big whole thing. But the Bulls, are like, oh, they need to pick a direction. They picked a direction and traded Jimmy Butler. And now they're going to be terrible. Now, I guess uh, we're especially basically looking forward to next year's draft because the 2017-2018 season is
1: probably going to be pretty awful. Well, I'm glad we started off on a positive note here. Um, let me get a word to sum up the franchise. And, and it can go as negative as you want here. But we, we try to get one word to sum up each franchise uh, as we start this off. What's well, yours, Ricky.
3: Uh, man, that's tough. I would say like anti-intellectual. I don't think that they put many resources in player development or in scouting. I feel like they just are not, uh, they're, they're not playing the same game as everyone else's in terms of, you know, the data that they're using to make these decisions. It just feels like they they run their team like a really small uh, small market organization. I think it's to the detriment of their ability to, you know, make good calls on players and win games.
1: Don't smaller teams still have to use more intellectualism or more like analytics in order to compete with the larger franchises?
3: You would think so. They just don't have a very big player development staff. They don't have a big scouting staff. They never have. Hmm. I just don't think they're a very smart franchise. I don't think they're well
1: rounded. So, is that is that kind of what's led us to this point? And I know, like, uh, we're going to try to keep this as even keel as possible. No, we In whatever won't. Whatever direction no, you guys won't. decide to take this, don't <laughs> don't. Uh, we'll be. But let's let's kind of take a few steps back. Let's go to the. I don't even want to use the word off season because this started back at the trade deadline. Um, the Bulls made a, a sequence of moves that I don't know. You could call suspect. Uh, part just of that, call w- <laughs> it suspect, man. Look, I'm trying to again. Don't be nice. What they were, it was suspect.
0: You don't need to play both sides here. You can just right, go yeah, straight man. up. All All right. It was the, bad.
2: The, the primary piece they got in there, they reportedly after the
1: second practice realized he couldn't play, according <laughs> to a recent report. All right, cool. So they that traded. That was the Taj- best piece they got back <laughs> in late February. They traded Taj Gibson and Doug McDermott. Uh, and a 2000, uh, 2018 second-round draft pick. And they got uh, Jeffrey Laverne, Anthony Morrow, and uh, Campaign, who we were just referencing there, who likely—well, we'll get to Campaign. So that kind of started this uh, this deluge of moves to bring what had a somewhat talented roster, or at least to com- compete for the eighth seed in the East, um, to this team who we, I think a lot of us would feel like would be one of the three or four worst teams in the NBA next year. So that was the first move. But then there's obviously the draft day move, right, which is Jimmy Butler— uh, and Justin Patton in Minnesota, and, and then Chris Dunn, Levine, and Laurie Markkinen to the Bulls. So now you have this roster of guys, and Dwayne Wade's still on it, which technically, technically he's still on the <laughs> roster. Uh, you have a Lopez brother who's probably trying to get shipped off somewhere, I'm assuming, for the sake of his, the rest of his career. Uh, and so this mishmash of players and sort of like the direction or lack thereof that the team is going has made this into one of the most volatile rosters, crazy turnover this offseason starting back in last season. So how did we get to this point? Uh, Ricky, I'll let you kind of take a first stab at this, and then and Jason, come over to the top. How do we get to this point? And then just give me your overall thoughts on all this player movement and sort of where we are right now. Let's just kind of take it back to the beginning.
3: How do we get to the point where the franchise is at right now? Right? Yeah. I think you have to start with you know, the last time they were really good when they had Derrick Rose, Joe Kinoa, uh, Luol Deng, Jimmy Butler coming into his own. I think that, you know, that team was unfortunately sort of sabotaged by injuries. Rose obviously being the most glaring example, but Noah too. People forget how good Noah was. He was fourth in MVP voting like three years ago. Uh, (laughs) Now, you know, he's really a shell of his former self, and he's someone who I think, you know, that was one good decision the Bulls did make, was letting him go. But uh, then, you know, the other thing too is that they really haven't hit on any draft picks. For a while, they were great at drafting. They got Noah at nine. They got Taj Gibson in the 20s. Butler with the last pick in the first round is obviously the best example of that. Uh, But since Butler in 2011, they really haven't hit on any draft picks and they haven't been able to develop any good young players. Uh, Miritich has been, I would say a big disappointment uh, in terms of what they've gotten from him so far. Bobby Portis hasn't really done anything. Denzel Valentine didn't make an impact as a rookie. Uh, You can look at someone like Marquise Teague as well. That was a late pick, but uh, they got nothing out of him. So, when they had a proud core, those guys all went down, and then they just haven't been able to draft or develop any good players. I think it's put them in a position where, you know, they've been really riding Butler hard for the last few years. They've augmented him by signing veterans who are well past their prime, Pau Gasol and Dwayne Wade uh, being the two biggest examples of that, and it's just left them in a position where they don't have any good young players, and, uh, you know, the, a once-proud team has quickly become very depressing
2: it's fun. it's good that you put it in the terms you did because for all the issues that this front office has had leading to the point where they have this barren roster it does really come down to talent evaluation ultimately you know i'm curious what you, what do you think changed after the butler pick but you're right you look at these draft picks none of them have panned out you know although i guess we'll see with portis and you know still time but it's also that they've cycled through about a half a dozen bad point guards, and they still have half a dozen bad point guards where they're, they're trading for Jerry and Grant, and then they're si- trading Mike- for Michael Carter-Williams, and then they're trading for campaign only to realize again, according to the report two days later, that he was bad and injured. And now they, they put a lot of stock into Chris Dunn, who had a terrible rookie year. And, and Zach Levine
1: coming off an ACL.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't sound like they've uh, adjusted their scouting report from when they liked done last year. I mean, because that trade almost happened last year. At the end of the day, if you can't evaluate talent, like it doesn't matter how well you do any of the other stuff. And they, they just, it just seems like they believe that this core of young players is way better than it actually is.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. I wrote a thing for Bloggable, not even last season, but the season before, uh, in the middle of. I guess, Hoiberg's first year that said the Bulls just have no conviction in their own ability to evaluate talent.
2: Well, or or maybe they have too much conviction into their <laughs> incorrect ability to evaluate yeah. talent. Maybe that's more of the issue.
0: One example of that is the Doug McDermott trade, which we haven't even mentioned yet, where when they got him on draft night, they traded ultimately what turned out to be like five picks. It was two first round picks, which were, ended up being Gary Harris, Joseph Nurkic, two players who are Way better than Doug McDermott, and now they trade, and now they trade, and then they traded McDermott in the campaign trade, which was another awful trade. And McDermott's better than Campaign, so that's even that they believed so much in Doug, and yeah, on Ricky with guys, we, he didn't mention Tony Sell either, and then Tony Snell actually was kind of all right last year, but he was never, never anything with the Bulls. They botched that trade really bad because Michael Carter Williams was brutal. So yeah, just the talent evaluation that with their young players just piling on, what Ricky said has just been just so, been so miserable. And then when you get, and then that leads to being desperate with those, the, the Wade and Rondo stuff. And they probably thought like they were really smart, like, Oh, Rondo and Fred Hoiberg, they could really mesh together. And Wade's, mm-hmm. I mean, Wade
2: was probably just like, <laughs>
0: yeah, like that. Just, and that, and that's, and that's how it, and then that's how you turn into a team with a star player, two years left on his contract. And you trade him and hope that your young guys can now mesh with Fred Hoiberg.
1: Tell me about where Denzel Valentine zips her- Dunn, I don't know. Grant Payne, Levine, Pondexter, every one of these guys who's not really a point guard but is going to be asked to play in that Justin facilitating Holliday. wing. Yeah, Holl- Justin Holiday. God, there's a lot of do these. They guys. still, they still have Jaren Grant, right? Yeah, they, yeah, they, they sure do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still uh, Jaren Grant. Hey, Dwayne Wade's still on the roster. But it seems like they have more redundancy in a mediocre way at the wing than, or not point guard. I should say, like a not the guy who's going to be the distributor there. I guess that's going to have to be Chris Dunn. With this roster, yeah. but I mean,
2: the only way the only way that that glut works is if, is if they were all right about Chris Dunn and actually the Wolves were so wrong and they just ruined him, and then he magically comes <laughs> to the
1: Bulls and he'll be back to what they thought he was going to be, which is something he never really was at, at Providence. Yeah. But, um, so it's not a pretty I, I guess the question here is like, what is a starting five, or what does a starting five look like right now? If you had to project that. And what does any semblance of a rotation look like? Either one of you wants to take that by all means.
0: Uh I, I would you mentioned Chris Dunn. I would assume he starts and plays a lot. I mean, I don't know who else they would start over him. <laughs> Jaren Jaron Grant's not a starting point guard, he he was all he started a bunch of games last year and he was alright, but once the playoffs rolled around, he was just an abomination. As long as Dwayne Wade's there, he's starting, and that's assuming as like Levine. Is hurt and probably he says he's going to start the year. He or he wants to start the year. I would guess that they're going to be super safe with him and that he will miss some time. Is that so like the RG
2: three all in and all in for week one? type of push <laughs> Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. So well. Yeah, I
0: think he. I think he said that at the ESPYs. He was like, "Oh yeah, I'll definitely be ready for camp." That's I would guess. As that I, I limp is around true? on
2: a Yeah, S- yeah <laughs>
0: exactly. Uh, yeah, and then at small forward. You're going to have. Zipser or Valentine or Justin Holiday. I keep forgetting they signed Justin Holiday. Like it's, I like the move, but I just keep forgetting that he's actually there. Like so, I guess Zipser, Valentine, or Justin Holiday is your guy at the three. At the four, you have Nico, who's not even resigned yet. I would guess he ends up taking the qualifying offer and then ends up starting. You could go with Bobby Portis, or maybe they'll just throw Lowry right in the fire. Start him as the start him as the four. He's been awesome in Eurobasket. Start him anyways. I would ultimately guess it's Mirtich and then he'll be back. And then you have Rolo. He's, he'll be your starting five as long as he's there. How long is he there?
2: Felicio, which, too.
0: Yeah, Felicio, they re-signed four-year deal, reasonable amount. I would guess he'll be the backup. I, I would think they'll look to trade Rolo, hopefully, for something, and they could just start Felicio and keep tanking. But, yeah, I mean, you look at that starting five, that's just it's not good.
2: <laughs> Who wants Robin Lopez? Who wants I, yeah, I, That's the problem.
0: That, yeah, we see that in free agency this year. No one's rushing to sign any of these centers so it's they probably wouldn't be able to get that much for him which i don't know he's still helpful in some ways he can rebound solid defender but
2: yeah it's not great yeah when you put it in this these terms you realize how much jimmy butler really propped that team up last year even though they had wade and rondo i mean jimmy butler i think got a little bit of uh it was underrated how important he was to the team and as most logical an explanation is possible like why did they trade him
3: first of all they didn't actually realize how good he was i think that they thought oh jimmy butler can't be the best player on a championship team well the problem is in in my mind the bulls viewed butler as a problem when really the bulls let butler down they just didn't surround him with any other useful players just i mean signing wade and rondo last year you were basically sabotaging butler with the lack of space and you were giving him and he still proceeds to have the best year of his career Uh, You know, the way Butler improved year over year for every season of his basketball playing career was absolutely remarkable. And I think that the Bulls, uh, you know, they they probably thought that they had as much to do with that as Jimmy Butler did, where, in my opinion, Butler is completely self-made. He's someone who never had anything given to him when he came into the league. He was, you know, a a wing, a, a wing stopper, a cutter, and he just turned himself into one of the best guards in the league. So, uh I think they traded Jimmy Butler because they felt like they just couldn't win with him. I think that ultimately, with two years left on his deal, they knew this was the most—this uh, is the time his value would be the highest. And it all comes back to money with the Bulls, too. Like, they just weren't going to resign him. They were not going to pay him, you know, $35 million a year. Yeah, the Supermax, yeah. Yeah, for the Supermax contract. But he earned that contract. But they weren't going to pay it to him, especially when they saw that they couldn't get past the first round of the playoffs. Um Them as their best player, but I mean, obviously, I think that if you watch Jimmy Butler's development and you track everything else that happened with the Bulls, Jimmy Butler saved the Bulls' ass, man. Jimmy Butler wasn't the problem. If they think Jimmy Butler was the problem, or the Jimmy Butler was the thing that was handicapping them, then they're, you know, they're lost beyond all comprehension because Butler was the only thing they had going for.
2: Right. I mean, the issue of trading Jimmy Butler now while he has value And before, with the team going nowhere, like I don't think that as good as Butler is, you guys would necessarily object to that thought. I mean, the issue is trading Jimmy Butler for what they traded Jimmy Butler for, uh, which was not very much, and again, it goes goes back to their talent evaluation skills. I mean, Butler is a really good player. He is a little difficult to play with, I think, I think, uh, attitude-wise, and we'll see how that works in Minnesota. So again, I'm not, I don't know if the issue is like, they, they had to keep him I think the issue is like what they traded him for I mean they were if, if that was the package that you were gonna get back for him like you really should just keep him well it looks like well,
1: part of this too though is just and, and, and again um, Jason come over the top here but like is it was not a good trade when it happened but no. the trades that have happened consequently in the NBA have made it worse not necessarily Paul George but the Kyrie trade with the contracts being about the same timeline correct? Yeah. Right. The I mean, obviously the uh, value or something, whatever you would decide value is on a guy like Kyrie compared to Butler, I think most people in the NBA would agree. And probably you guys on the, on the line here and Mike, that but Butler is a more valuable NBA player and fetched a far less uh, of right. a haul. I so, think some of that was Boston didn't really
2: want Butler and Boston yeah. was a team that had the, the better asset, but it is, it it is, it does go back to the same issue. Like if that's the minnesota offers what you're like yeah yeah you're not necessarily gonna get if boston decides that we don't want jimmy butler for whatever reason which it sounds like they did then you're not gonna get that package but you got to do better than what yeah, they did do better
0: well yeah was, and, kind of, and to that point john Paxson kind of admitted like at whatever that right after they made the trade that this was like the first offer we got that we really liked so they literally took the first <laughs> offer that they thought was good like Are you kidding me? Like, come on, man! Like, you're and you're going to admit that you did that? That just like they could have. They obviously had plenty of time. They didn't have. You said they didn't have to trade him for the package that he got. There are ways where I guess it could. This package could turn out right. Like, if Levine comes back healthy, and I guess they re-sign him. If Dunn develops. If Lowry ends up being a stud. Like, and if they end up tanking and getting a high draft pick. Okay, I guess it could be an end up being fine. But like, ultimately, to admit the fact that what they did, they traded him for. For the first basically good offer, admittedly, is is just a bad bad GMing.
1: What is up with GMs now? Just doing this like self-admittance, this, this idea that like oh, I made a shitty move, time to let everyone know why I made that shitty move. Because again, they don't think they
2: made a shitty <laughs> move. They it goes back to the, their town evaluation.
0: They did that with the second round pick that they traded for Jordan <laughs> Bell. Like they said, well, we didn't have anybody left on our draft board that we liked. So we just wanted to trade the pick and get cash. They literally said that. Like it's amazing. At thirty-eight, we have nobody. <sighs> we, we wanted a we wanted a wing and we didn't have anybody left we liked on your draft board. Like in the early second like, round. That is insane. It's shameful. I mean, that goes back to having small departments. I
3: think.
2: Yeah. Well, so you is know, their like, department actually smaller than everyone else? They're just
3: cheap and lazy. They don't they <laughs> they can win doing things the way they did them before. Uh, you know, and back when they took Jimmy Butler in two thousand and eleven. They had this guy named Matt Lloyd, who was their director of college scouting. He was someone who really helped them hit on a lot of uh, good college players for a stretch there to build a team that was at the top of the Eastern Conference. And now that's totally
1: gone. Yeah, I, I guess it's one of those things where you you have a better understanding of the personnel that has come and gone there. But like outwardly, if you're anyone running a team at any level, whether that's like D League or NBA or G League, I'm sorry, NBA or any European team, like you have to have a better. Scouting list than 40 people. In fact, 38 people in this regard. And Jordan Bell's a guy who, like, in this NBA that's catering more and more to sort of like that smaller but powerful big man who's able to run the court well and switch, like he's prototypical for what you're looking for, which is one of the other reasons why that made less sense. But I want to get back real quick um, and Ricky, get your input here. So I think the Bulls are an interesting team because um, as the NBA kind of came to its maturity of popularity in the 90s, I, coming out of the 80s, which obviously were a big boon for them, you have this idea that like, there are players that are fixated on teams, legacy players on legacy teams. The Bulls have his, you know, some of the, if not the greatest historical uh, uh, legacy players in Jordan and Pippen and Rodman, and you can go down the list. Tony Kukoc is synonymous with these teams. Now, uh, with these Bulls teams of the 90s, there's a legacy to that. Coming into the 2000s now and, and the 2010s, et cetera, you have these guys like Derrick Rose was going to be that next guy to take the torch and run the Bulls, you know, organization as a superstar. And then it became Jimmy Butler, and they each have checkered legacies, obviously. Can you tell me what you think Jimmy Butler's legacy is to the Bulls, if there is any?
3: I mean, I guess his legacy would be sort of the I guess I'm, I'm trying to decide how I want to put this. Sure, like, sure. His legacy to the Bulls, I would say it was as like, you know, a self-made superstar, someone who was taken with the last pick in the first round and then someone they just gave up on really soon, ultimately, because I think they didn't want to pay him. Like if they were comfortable paying Jimmy Butler, I think they would have held on to him. Uh, but they, they didn't want to pay him in, you know, in two years, which it's a defensible position for sure, because he played a ton of minutes. He carried a heavy workload. Uh, but at the end of the day, he earned, you know, whatever contract he was going to get from him. And he was really the only person on the team who was, uh, you know, keeping their head above water for the last yeah. few years. So to me, Butler's one of the best Bulls players of my lifetime, for sure. I mean, he just never had anything given to him. The way he got better every single year and just really remade his entire game. When they needed a defensive stopper, he was the defensive stopper. And they didn't have anyone who could score. He turned himself into a 25-point-per-game score and a three-time All-Star. So, yeah. Uh, you know, Butler just did everything you asked him to do. I think that the way they, uh, you know, trading him to Tibbs, too. Like, what a poetic <laughs>
2: Yeah, If
1: you're
3: going to get ripped off by anyone, you get ripped off by Tibbs. That's just unbelievable. So uh, I guess that's Butler's, you know, that's Butler's legacy in a sense. He was really just a, a self-made superstar. Uh, and unfortunately, I think the way they traded him is going to be a big part of his legacy, too. Sure.
1: J- Jason, does that, is that something in that self-made ilk – is that something that the bloggable community kind of got behind this guy who they kind of saw go from that you know pick 30 and, and more an underdog superstar story and now all of a sudden you, you're left with – again, you, you went over all the question marks you got back in that trade. Um, is this something where the community was like thoroughly behind this guy from a personal standpoint or, or the bloggable community more just in disarray right now because of the, the team at, at hand? So
0: I think with Jimmy Butler's, in terms of like how Bulls fans view him, I think it's a really interesting thing. I think a lot of Bulls fans really underappreciate how good he is because the whole thing with Rose and how that went down, I think a lot of Bulls fans uh, just didn't like Jimmy because he kind of, Jimmy kind of us, usurp, usurped Rose as like the guy. I think there's a lot of Bulls fans that just uh, were so – enamored with D Rose because he's a Chicago guy and he's like a mm-hmm. Chicago hero so when Rose kind of I don't want to say forced get forced out by Butler but when he when Butler usurped him and there were the reports of the Rose Butler beef and that they weren't really the most they weren't like best friends like on or off the court and then the Bulls ended up trading Rose and kept and made, kind of stuck with Jimmy for another couple of years I think a lot of Bulls fans didn't like that because they they stuck with rose instead because i've seen i've, I've read stuff on blogable comments i've seen stuff on twitter there's a lot of bulls fans that are self-professed bulls fans that <laughs> would hate on jimmy butler and stick still stick up for derrick rose so he's got a really I, yeah, I think checkered legacy is probably a good way to put it because i've been behind him the last couple years i think there are parts of him his personality which kind of may rub the wrong way i think because he, he does always talk with ricky talking about how he's a self-made man one of the things he I, th- I think he likes to do especially in the media is kind of talk about how hard he works and I would I do wonder if there was some annoyance there he's kind of a corny dude too I mean he's goofy he seems like a real fun guy kind of goofy but I think a lot of people were kind of turned off by some of the aspects of his personality and supposedly the Celtics were as well so I think there's some people that really love Jimmy Butler I was a Jimmy Butler fan but I think there were a lot of other people that weren't that big of a fan of him and they're kind of happy that he was gone I think he's selfish and There are no problem that they traded him.
3: (laughs) I I just also think that people never really realized how good he was. I mean, maybe it's just—I agree. uh, One man's maybe it's just one man's opinion, but like I think that his profile probably isn't as big as Paul George's or Kyrie Irving's. But I would say he's a better player, especially if you look at a lot of the all-in-one stats. Yeah, it showed that Butler was just an amazing player. Uh, You know, each of the last three years got better every year, peaking this past year on a team that really didn't fit his strengths as a player. Uh, So. I don't know, just underrated. I would say self-made, and uh, they're going to miss him. I'll say that much because if they think Jimmy Butler was the reason that they, you know, couldn't build a successful team, they're about to learn the hard way that that was not correct.
2: <laughs> well, that, they will definitely not be a successful team this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, we anticipate doing the Bulls first next season for our summer
1: team previews. Maybe I don't know. Well, this, we'll this is a question. Well, we, I guess we
2: can skip ahead to this one. Aaron Mohes asked us on Twitter, like, how likely is it that they get the number one pick? <laughs> um this year i mean i think they're kind of in the driver's
1: seat Oh, there was a complimentary question to that as well that someone yeah, else there asked are a few. oh yes yes uh, and donnie seals asked us um do you guys trust the ability of the bulls organization to make a solid draft pick outside of the top three so first off where do you think they're going to land for mike's first question and then forget just the top three but ultimately and ricky i know what you're going to say here where is your trust level in this presumably top five pick next year
3: Uh, Well, I just want to say, in terms of the tank race, the Bulls do have an (laughs) ace up their sleeve, and that's Fred Hoiberg. I think that, you know, the the Nets, theoretically, they have a good coach in Kenny Atkinson. Budenholzer's a great coach in Atlanta. Uh, You know, you just look at some of the other teams that are going to be bad. Luke Walton seems like a pretty good coach for the Lakers. He had them playing hard at the end of the year last year. But the Bulls have a truly uninspiring bad coach, Fred Hoiberg. And I feel like that's the ace up their sleeve in the tank race. The rest of these teams have good coaches. The Bulls do not. Do I have faith in their ability to make the correct draft pick? I mean, no. No way. <laughs> Hopefully they do. Hopefully they're in a position where they can't fail. You know what I mean? There's yeah. just someone who's too good to blow it. But uh, I think especially in this draft where it looks like there's going to be four or five legit candidates, uh, be potential number one pick at the top of the draft. I mean, I, I don't have a very strong belief in their ability to choose the
0: right player. I wouldn't. Well, to even... the, to the, I'll say to that point, it's kind of funny. This guy who asked us that question. Uh, He said, would they get the number one pick and draft Miles Bridges? I feel like that's almost would be a very Bulls pick to take the big school or Miles Bridges. I know they won't do it, but it would be funny because I feel like we've talked about how that I think me and Ricky have like actually mentioned that like, yeah, they're totally going to get a high pick and then use Miles Bridges on it. So obviously they're not going to take Miles Bridges with the number one pick. Uh, I know Mm -hmm. Ricky would has a better grasp of some of these guys. Marvin Bagley, Michael Porter. Uh, I, I honestly have not decided who I want would want to t- take if they take first, but I, in terms of like if I think they're gonna finish with a number one pick, I believe Vegas has them as the worst team, like 22 and a half, 21 and a half wins. They have a very feel like, very low over under. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think they'll be a little better than that, but ultimately, like yeah, between like them, the Nets, the Hawks, the Suns, I guess like the Kings as well. Like I feel like all those teams will probably be pretty close to each other. I don't know if there's one that's definitely like way worse among the rest but the bulls are definitely in that conversation
2: for sure this is a question we got from i guess from s fan o2 like so we've been talking about how bad this front office is like why do they still have jobs again <laughs> like do, to the best of your ability like are we ever going to get fire gar packs um you know like what what is what is it that they do that Convinces management, if you're thinking of it from management's goals, like to them to stick around, I don't quite understand.
3: Yeah, well, it all starts at the top. And I think that Jerry Reinsdorf just, he doesn't really care. He really values loyalty more so than winning. It's the same thing with the White Sox. Uh, both of those franchises had someone in a power position, John Paxson for the Bulls, Kenny Williams for the White Sox, who like tried to quit and basically got a promotion instead. Yeah. I mean, Paxton didn't want to be the GM because he thought it was too stressful. And the Bulls convinced him to stay by giving him a promotion and a race. So, I mean, I just think that, uh, you know, if if Reinsdorf isn't going to invest in the team and he's just going to, you know, let uh, these people like Gar Foreman, who entered the franchise the same year they hired Tim Floyd in 1999, he was, you know, one of Tim Floyd's guys who he brought in at the time. It's like if they're if they're not going to invest in the product and they're not going to hold people accountable, then it's hard to think that they can, you know, rebuild this thing swiftly.
1: At least they'll have the... um you know the backdrop of a very successful Bears team to make the uh, <laughs> city forget the basketball season is coming. Sorry. And
2: wait, how are the Cubs doing this year?
1: Good, good. Oh, they are Cubs are good? good. Cubs are good. White Sox. They're in first place. They've been they haven't been quite as good as hoped, but they're still in first place. By the way, it's the White Sox big. are undertaking a successful rebuild. They have like the best farm yeah. system by a mile right. in baseball right now. So
0: Could be yeah, it's because they have a good they have a good general manager. Yeah. Hahn is he's awesome. He's way better than the doofuses
1: running the bulls yeah yeah no and, and and uh just real quick guys we're gonna take a, a short break we'll get back to the doofuses running the bulls and there's things <laughs> to uh, look forward to um, There's gotta be something to yeah, look there's things to, to look forward to we'll get into marketing um, uh, after this break
2: If you're like me, you know you have to shave, but you don't like doing it. The razors are expensive, the gel is expensive, you have to kind of switch them out a lot, and you cut yourself while shaving, you've got to use all this product in order to have your skin moisturized. It's just not a very fun experience, and it never was a fun experience for me, and I really didn't want a beard. That changed when the Dollar Shave Club came to my inbox. Dollar Shave Club is the smarter choice. It's got this great Dr. Carver shave butter, it feels really smooth coming off your skin, It actually makes the act of shaving fun, and I love that. And it's also a great deal. You can get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. They send it to you in the mail. You don't have to go to the store. You don't have to get either a really expensive razor or a cheap disposable razor that gets a crappy shave. You don't have to do any of that. It comes right to your door. It's a great life hack and a great no-brainer choice. And it's got this amazing butter that feels so good on your skin. It almost doesn't look like shaving cream. It's nice and clear and it just doesn't feel like shaving cream. And you don't have to get all those other products in order to have your face properly moisturized. It's a terrific deal. You get all the stuff you need in shaving in one with the Dollar Shave Club. And now, lucky you, for a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only $5 a month with free shipping. And after that, Razors are just a few bucks a month and you can quit at any time. If you don't like it, that's a $15 value for only five bucks. And in that first month's box, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of fork cartridges, and a tube of the shave butter, all for just five bucks. And after the first month, these replacement cartridges ship automatically at the regular price. No hidden fees, no commitments, cancel anytime you like. But you can only get this offers exclusively through the Limited Upside podcast. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash upside in order to take advantage. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash upside. Dollar Shave Club, the smarter, more convenient, and more comfortable way to get a close shave.
1: Okay, and we're back. Limited Upside Podcast here. I'm Ben, joined by Mike. And then we have Jason Platt and Ricky O'Donnell uh, on the uh, line here as well. We're talking Chicago Bulls. Season preview. Um, we haven't really mentioned anything positive yet, Mike. We also, made it about, we haven't
2: really mentioned anything about the
1: team uh, yeah, that we, we, we are previewing. Well, <laughs> we talked a little bit. Of, I know, right? The team we're previewing. You we mentioned some <laughs> trades that got us to this, this roster here. But I think we should touch on um, the man of the hour right now, the guy who's actually taking Euro basketball uh, or the Euro tournament by, by storm right now. And that's Lori Mark. Making his uh, Laurie Mark. In yeah, get in on the tournament. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, look, Ricky, this is a guy you extensively studied last year for the draft. I'm sure you had different thoughts when you didn't think he was coming to the Bulls, but now he's on your team and and presumably is the future of uh, the power forward position. Or the center or position. Or the center position, yeah, yeah, depending on how you want to use him. So let's get a little positive now. Um, is he the thing you are looking forward to this year for the Bulls? And then just talk me through Laurie Markkinen. Give, give the fan base a nice little tutorial on... Uh, on the cat who's going to be hopefully your inside and outside game this year.
3: Yeah. I think that he's the only guy on the roster you can really get excited about unless, you know, Levine recovers from injury quickly and is able to, uh, you know, get his scoring going again. And unless Chris Dunn gets a lot better, I think markinen has got to be, you know, the number one guy on the roster you're excited for right now. He really is like just an elite shooter at seven feet tall, like such a quick release shoots with deep range, really accurate, uh, That showed at Arizona immediately. So I think that's one thing he's going to bring to the table for sure. Uh, I do worry a bit that it could be similar to McDermott where the team needs shooting, so they draft a shooter but also a poor athlete. You wonder how you're going to build a good defense around him uh, if he's a 4 or a 5. Like If you're trading Jimmy Butler, the goal should have been – you know, to hopefully win a championship, not just build a pretty good team. And I worry that they've already handicapped this rebuild with one-way players like Chris Dunn, who could be a good defensive player, but doesn't show much offensively. marketing I think, will be a really good offensive player. I just don't know about defense. Uh, in terms of an NBA comparison, Brian Anderson was the guy who I always thought of for him. Anderson's obviously had a good career. I think he has an $80 million contract right now. But I got to say, watching in Eurobasket, I have been uh, – impressed at what he showed he showed some things that i didn't see him do at arizona in terms of putting the ball on the floor he's shown a little bit more of a post game which he didn't really get a chance to showcase at arizona pretty much or very much and he does look quick so i would say you know at this point why not if you're a bulls fan you might as well go all in on marketing because that's your one little beacon of hope right now and you know you just hope that uh defensively, he can do enough where you're not bleeding points on the floor with him because offensively, he's going to be a good player for sure. He'll be in the NBA for a long time. Uh, You just wonder if maybe they passed on superior players like Dennis Smith and Malik Monk to take him.
2: Yeah, well, we have to be patient. We know he's not a finished product.
1: Sorry, I wanted to just get that out there. I've been before. saving that
3: one all week. Nope.
1: Mike has uh, hand ri- handwritten notes, by the way, of marking puns. He just crossed that one out. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll Go never ahead, finish t- putting those out. Stop, um, stop yeah, yeah, yeah. So finish. I just wanted to get that out of the way. But
2: no, he has been like a little quicker than I thought, like moving his feet. I mean, it's against European players and also on a smaller, shrunk court without the the shorter three-point line. But I don't know. He's been pretty intriguing. I feel like if he's a five, like that – could be really interesting they've already been able to find ways to use him you know in that old play the hawks like you used to run where they'd run what it looks like a curl to the left and then the shooting guard screens for him and he pops out for a three they've run that that play a lot really well um if he's a five i think that's that's good he's obviously a little weak right now but if he can get stronger i mean if he's a four i just think he's
1: fairly ordinary well so well and jason would you foresee them playing bobby portis alongside Markinen as as like the front Ooh. court because if he's playing five, the four will assuredly not be Felicio or, or Lopez.
0: Yeah, I mean if they did that, I that would be a struggle defensively. I think Bobby <laughs> Portis is still hasn't really shown much defensively in general. I mean that could be intriguing offensively because he, Portis is also a good shooter and like he has shown a lot of skills. But that would that would be.
2: Could be a bit of a rough, rough go defensively. Yeah, but at least that'd be a fun lineup. Like you would enjoy yeah, yeah, watching I'll, the Bulls. I'll give that, yeah. with that front court.
0: Yeah, I could I could I could more. go with that. If they're
2: just if they're just
0: bombing bombing trays, and if it's like Levine's out there, I mean God, just that'd be a terrible defensive <laughs> team, but hey, they'll be that that's hoyball for you. You we're trying to figure out what hoi ball is. Bunch of guys, big dudes shooting trays, Levine will be dunking everywhere. I guess if you want the team to be really bad, but possibly kind of fun, just Hope for that?
2: I am hoping for that. Yeah. I think that'll yeah. actually be kind of interesting. Like, but I might be drinking the juice a little bit from a couple yearly games. We haven't talked much about Zach Levine uh, yet. Mint, Our longtime listener, Min Tim Rolls, asks us kind of are our fans actually excited to watch, see his game, or are they doubtful on his potential? Uh, it looks like he's coming back. I mean, he's not going to come back for the opener, I don't think. I mean, yeah. if he does, I think that would be amazing. Like, what are what can bulls fans reasonably expect out of levine this year ricky and what are you do you sense that fans are excited about him or a little nervous about you know how he fits also considering the extension stuff and the injury
3: yeah i think you know levine has been one of my favorite players since he was at ucla for that year i really liked him in that draft he was taking one pick after the bulls took doug mcdermott (laughs) of course in that 2014 draft uh, to me, Levine's a really good player. I mean, last year, I believe, should have been his senior year at college, and he was averaging 20 points a game in the NBA. He's an elite shooter for sure. He's able to shoot off the dribble, uh, shoots with deep range, and obviously one of the best pure athletes in the NBA. You hope that that remains the case coming off this injury. The thing about Levine, though, is like even though he has the athleticism, he has the shooting – he's just naturally going to be compared to butler i feel like uh if he does indeed become sort of the new face of the franchise and butler was just so much better defensively butler was a far superior passer uh, and butler got to the foul line he doesn't do any of those things he's not really going to run point we all saw what ha- happened uh when minnesota tried to do that early in his career he's uh, one of the worst defensive players in the league in my opinion i don't know maybe pray to he's yeah, pretty bad uh, Could <laughs> provide more insight on that and then he doesn't get any free throws really so uh he's not getting a lot of easy buckets you just hope that uh you know he's still able to be athletic because he is a really gifted scorer and shooter and the Bulls need you know that athleticism and that shooting for sure i just think he's a player who's really fun but isn't totally functional like he rules but he's not super
0: good i feel
3: like
2: <laughs> well you'll enjoy at least having him rule on your team yeah. a little bit yeah
1: okay. you can watch cool.
0: him dunk, I said, watch him dunk shoot threes i think the thing with him is just that the contract situation is gonna be interesting with him because i mean depending on how many games he played or when he comes back and then how long it takes for him to get back up to speed and then he's already going to be whatever a restricted free agent next yeah. summer so like i'd like, will they try to get some type of cheaper ex- team-friendly extension done? Like, I can't imagine he would really agree to that. I would assume he'd want to come back and try to play play, and get numbers on a bad team. Because when he comes back, he should be worth num- possibly the number one option and get those numbers and at least raise his value a bit for next summer as a restricted free agent. Even though I know not many teams will have cap space next summer. But still, I feel like... That's just the interesting part of it, that how how that whole dynamic works out with this contract. But I agree with Ricky that he'll be fun and that I'm not sure if he'll be – can really be a centerpiece of a team, but maybe as a second or third guy if they get somebody in the draft in 2018 or whenever that, he, that they can build around moving forward if they're able to keep him, however that works out. Yeah.
1: So
2: I feel like
3: that's the problem with this rebuild, though, is they're already handicapping themselves with these one-way guys. Like, Levine doesn't play D, yeah. Chris Dunn doesn't play offense, Marketed doesn't play oh. defense.
2: Well, they'll complement each other. One one can only play one end. They can tag out, like tag team. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. By the way, slight diversion. Uh, story from Nick DePaula of ESPN today that Zach Levine is a wild card on the sneaker market, and there are some brands that are interested in signing him due to the fact that he is – now the lead person in a top market. Hmm. I feel like the Zach Living's signature <laughs> shoes will not sell. But maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I, I know, I've seen it. He's been doing
0: uh, Sonic commercials re- recently, so uh, <laughs> good for him on that front.
2: Air, What, what, would, you, what would his shoes be called? Like Air Tune Squad number ones? After the Space Jam that he
1: put out? Yeah, uh, nope. He did put out Space Jam. I ben, think you're he, better at this than I am. He needs to do something in his NBA career. First, I don't know. Like the idea of a signature shoe comes with a little bit of gravitas. Like the the idea of this is someone who little kids are like, I want to be Zach Levine. Like and the little kids don't know who that is yet. They just know I the mean, dunk contest. I guess contest
0: the slam day. from the slam dunk contest. Yeah, I guess that's something. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if I'm big baller a brand,
1: I'd sign him. Big baller brand. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like I don't think like
1: a legacy brand should. But what about like Peak or Anta or one of those brands? Sure. If you're if I'm coming off an ACL, though, I'm not chancing it to one of those brands. Like I'm I'm gonna get some quality shoe that I know will stabilize my leg. That's yeah, it's my, I guess that's my, that's my personal. You could
2: get like an old big baller brand uh, arrangement where you can be yeah. the signature shoe athlete, but not actually have to wear the shoe. Yeah, sounds
1: <laughs> like Lonzo. Hey guys, uh, what's the Miritich situation?
0: Uh, yeah, I mentioned that earlier. That <laughs> yeah. they haven't signed him to a deal. Uh, his qualifying offer, I believe, is around seven million. Yep. Uh, I've heard like nothing over the last two <laughs> months. I, I said I feel like at this point the qualifying offer might be the best bet because said he'll get seven million which is better than some of the other qualifying offers out there and for the Bulls that means they wouldn't have to make a long-term commitment commitment to him and they have Lowry there they have Portis there in the front court and Felicio, as other young guys so I guess if they could just give him the one-year thing and he can try to prove himself again on a one-year deal on a crap team that maybe that'll help him get a little more value for next summer even though as I mentioned that the there won't be that much uh, teams with cap space next year but I mean at this point I can't imagine why the Bulls We'll give him anything worth what he thought he was going to get. Like, we've seen that with the restricted free agent market. It's just nothing there. Yeah. So, like one year, $7 million qualifying offer seems like where this is headed. But who knows? We'll see.
2: I'm surprised they didn't just pull the offer. Just pull the qualifying offer and just let him go roam free because they have no. Oh, yeah. They don't really have a use for him. Yep. And if he's, yeah, you wouldn't want to sign, I would think that you wouldn't want to sign him long term because you want to give those minutes to Porter some marketing. Yeah. I would think. He's redundant. Yep. I mean, you would, again, you would think with uh, how things should go. Uh, And then the one-year deal just doesn't seem like a great arrangement for anyone. I mean, he doesn't get paid. They can't trade him. He just sticks it. I don't know. I'm surprised they didn't just pull the offer uh, entirely and let him go free.
3: What I think is kind of interesting, though, is a lot of Bulls fans, myself included, have been uh, trumpeting the fact that, like, you should empower Miritich more. Like, I think (laughs) a lot of times over the last couple of years, he just... He's been like the third or fourth option. He's been someone who just sort of stands in the corner, and he hasn't really been a focal point of the offense. So I could really see him having a good year this year. I mean, if he's not just watching Dwayne Wade hold the ball the whole season, uh, I could see him, you know, turning in a really good year that when he was second in Rookie of the Year voting a couple years back, we all thought uh, he could eventually turn into. But, uh, you know, at this point, they want to lose as many games as possible. So I just don't know who that's really beneficial for. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I feel like uh, him having a good individual year actually just makes things more complicated.
1: Absolutely. So, so guys, who is going to be the Bulls' best player next season? Taking into account the injuries, taking into account you know uh, how you perceive uh, rookies, you know, yeah, moving into the league, and maybe like a online with that question, like yeah. whose jersey should you buy? Yeah, yeah. Who? Exactly. Exactly. So who who is that? Uh, Jason, go first here.
0: I feel like best overall player in terms of impact, maybe we stick with Robin Lopez. I wouldn't say buy Robin Lopez jersey, but like, <laughs> I would say buy a Levine or Markin in Jersey, but in terms of just, like, actual an actual good player, like, making a positive impact on the court, I feel like it's Rolo, unless Levine comes back and is awesome, or Lowry actually is, like, awesome as a rookie, but I mean, rookies, young rookies usually are bad, even though Lowry's look great in Eurobasket, like, I feel like He's probably not going to be that good. And, like, I just don't believe in, like, any of the other players on the roster. Like, all the other young guys, Valentine, Portis, Paul Zipster, like, Chris Dunn, like, I just don't think any of them are that good. Like, I don't expect, or I guess maybe I keep forgetting about Justin Holiday, Maybe him. I feel like I'll just <laughs> go with Rolo here. I, I, I'm going through, like, the entire roster because I feel like I don't have a good answer. I mean, people will say Dwayne Wade, too, but, like, he'll be gone soon enough. So, like, yeah. I just don't have a good answer for that because there's so much just mediocre to bad on the team.
3: I'm going to say Mirtich, which will really be painful because I think that if he does get the ball in his hands a lot, you're going to be like, "Oh, this is someone who actually would have been really good with Jimmy Butler, <laughs> if we didn't sign Dwayne Wade and Paul Gasol and Rajon Rondo and all these guys who sort of undercut Miritich's development."
2: Interesting. And for the jersey, who would you who would you take?
3: I mean, it's got to be Markkinen, right? Markkinen or Levine? Not, not, I would, not Levine. I would, say, I would go with Markkinen.
1: Markkinen. I think. Interesting. Uh, I was yeah. waiting for someone to say campaign, but that's, that's <laughs> too bad.
0: Yeah. I mean. By the I, way, speaking of, I was going to say with Markin and and uh, Pitt, puns with his name, uh, Tom Fernelli from CBS Sports has come up. Uh, he was the first one I saw, but the finisher as a nickname for him, I think it's really good. I think mean, that I'm, would be. I'm, I'm, I'm I all, think that would be good. I'm all he, in on
2: that. See, I feel like if he was like a athletic rim running center, like True. finisher would be really good. Now if, I don't know if it quite fits. If
1: he's a really good shooter, you could call him a marksman.
2: Yeah, I feel like marksman. <laughs> Would yeah. be a little bit better. Uh, you know, Or you would talk about the jersey, like, you know, will they mark up those jerseys? Uh, yeah. I mean, no, I feel like the marksman is a little bit better um, than the finisher just because of the, the way he plays.
0: He has been finishing games well for Finland. And the Eurobasket, <laughs> he's been, like, dominating down the stretch. So I thought that kind of worked in with that nicely. But I, 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 the marksman is also good.
1: I'm curious what Bulls fans would say. Well, the more he plays and he gets to, you know, Scandinavian the, the – forget <laughs> it. I was going to say s- scan the scene, but oh. couldn't think of a way to fit Scandinavian <laughs> in there. Um, all right. Now that we've uh, regressed to entirely puns, I think we're <laughs> – right, there's right, two things I want to get to before we uh, get you guys out of here. We'll, do the, we'll end with predictions uh, and the banana boat, of course. Um, r- real quick again, because while wow, we have Ricky here with his college expertise, and this is a team who will be picking likely in that top five um, – who are your favorite five guys in this draft? You said there's five likely top picks. I know some of these are a little bit obvious right now, but in general, man, like who who do you foresee being those top five? And and ultimately, like you'd be happy with all five of them on the Bulls?
3: Cool. Yeah, I'll run it down real quick. Sure. I think start with number five. I guess Muhammad Bamba. He's gonna be a freshman center at Texas. He's a seven nine wingspan, which is gonna be the uh, longest in NBA history.
2: Uh, really? And longer than Gobert?
0: I think I think Gobert's 7-9 as well or 7-8. It's cl- uh-huh. there. it's around there. It's yeah. insane. Mum ma 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 bamba I'm yep.
2: just gonna say that every time we talk about him. Oh
0: okay. Yeah, uh, so Bamba, but he
3: could be like really good. I think he could be, potentially be a <laughs> Gobert level defensive player. Wow. Uh, potentially, but I just don't know how good he's gonna be on offense. So uh, yeah, we'll see about that. Uh, and then four, I would say DeAndre and He's a center from Arizona, uh, seven foot, 250 pounds. I think he could be really good offensive big man. He sort of reminds me of Joel Embiid offensively. Uh, defensively, I just don't know if he's going to be at that level. But he, he could be really good, I think. Uh, and then Michael Porter Jr. from Missouri, 6'11 wing. He can shoot it. He's got athleticism. Uh I think that Porter's a guy who could potentially be the first pick in the draft. Uh, and then Marvin Bagley from Duke, who's gonna be a six eleven forward. Reminds me a little bit of Anthony Davis. I think will be better offensively, worse defensively. Bagley could be a really good player, and then Luka Doncic as well, who is just showing out right now for Sylvania in Eurobasket. Uh so yeah. Nice.
1: Those are the five guys. Very. I like, I like those top five, too, because aside from from Aiton and, and Bamba, the, they're very different types of players. Like th- These are all interestingly franchise-type guys in completely different ways, and ultimately fit is going to be so important. So you have a Bulls team here that basically needs everything, which should make you guys more appealing to all those guys uh, down the line, right? One Why would not? think. Yeah, one um, would think. All right, let's get to the, um, the inevitable question here we've done on all of our summer previews. That is the banana boat question. You guys get to tell us uh, your three favorite bulls to ride the banana boat with, and that is not best players of all time. It's, you know, it's not Jordan, Pippen, and, and whoever. It's it's your three guys you like, the ones that you followed, the ones that you were fans of, whatever, the ones you think are the coolest. The, the three ones that be coolest together. The three as well. guys. Uh, or if you want a you know a combative boat, you go with a combative boat. But the idea here is your three guys that you want to have on, on that banana boat with with yourself. Uh, go ahead, Jason.
0: Uh, I still would go with MJ, just because hmm. MJ, he's like the coolest, he's, I don't know, he's, got, he's obviously kind of an asshole, but <laughs> I would still think that'd be awesome. Uh, I loved Ben Gordon as a kid, he was, played with a lot of swagger, cool dude, uh, so I'd go with Ben Gordon. Uh, I think I would go with Jimmy as my last one, because Jimmy just seems like a fun-loving guy, he likes to goof around, likes to have a lot of fun,
2: so I'll go with MJ, Jimmy, and Ben Gordon. So, MJ would be doing all the talking and the other two would kind of be doing all the laughing. Probably. Probably. With with minimal (laughs) eye contact to MJ. Yeah. Right. See MJ would be like yo, let's go on the boat in like three AM, and the others yeah. would just be like no, we're. Going, I also we're
0: I also thought of, I did also think about Charles Oakley. It was him and MJ as like a tag team it could be kind of wild. Yeah.
2: But... it's true they are kind of a package deal a little yeah. bit. Yeah, uh, Ricky, I could, I
0: could definitely move. I could definitely move Gordon off and go with Oakley and Jordan and Jimmy. Yeah. And pre- pretty fun crew.
2: Ricky, who's on your boat?
0: Gotta go Jordan. How could you not go
3: Jordan? I'm going to say Noah. I think Noah would just yeah. be oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah,
1: it'd be fun. Yeah.
3: Uh, and then I guess Rodman, because if you're trapped on a banana boat, I mean, <laughs> Dennis Rodman, Joe Kim Noah, Michael Jordan, seems like you could do worse than that.
1: Yeah. That'd, that'd be a good crew. There'd be no shortage of drugs, alcohol, and gambling on that. Boat, so. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, I'm surprised
2: that Noah was not like the first pick for you guys.
0: Yeah, I, that just completely Wonder. I didn't even think about this. I've... I miss Joe, but I, he's just so bad now that he's almost like out of sight, out of mind. I yeah. didn't even think about it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a terrible. I will admit that's a bad oversight, but for oh. if I wanted Jimmy on there, Noah and Jimmy, I don't think, got along very well. So I don't know how, how well that would go.
2: Yeah. I, I don't think I'd want Jordan or Butler on my vacation. Maybe Butler, because I think he seems like a, a lot chiller a person when he's not in
1: basketball than when he is yeah. sort of in I'm going to give you guys one that everyone forgot who. I had him explicitly written down here, but I think Steve Kerr would be a fantastic banana boat guy to have. He's yeah, a cool I was, guy. He's, I was thinking he's nice. about the '90s Bulls and who would belong there. Yeah, Kerr's a worldly guy. You could have good conversations with him, but I also think he'd be down to party. So that you know,
2: Luke Longley, like, would do you want Luke Longley on the boat? No, no. no. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Tony Kukoc. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Me.
0: I'm trying to think. Yeah, Me. meh. So we'll go with Kerr.
1: You could put put Paxton on your boat and then just go out to deep waters and push him off. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of neat. I mean, you you could put Paxton on the boat, but
2: Paxton would think that he'd have way more space to sit than he actually does. (laughs) He'd be like – misevaluate the – or he'd like think that the waves were much less uh, severe than they actually are. (laughs) much (laughs) Not nearly as strong. Wow, this is probably – I'm trying to
1: figure out ways of healing. No nautical terminology (laughs) coming to mind. good. (laughs) Yeah. Anyhow, all right. Let's get to the predictions. Best case, worst case, and, uh, and uh, your, your win total. So this is where we'll get you on the record here. Ricky. Uh, See,
2: st- I like this because best case and worst case, I think, are kind of
1: inverted. Yes. yes. Yeah. Which is good. <laughs> That's good. So go ahead, Ricky. What's, what's best case, worst case for the season, and uh, a projected win total for the 2017-18 Bulls?
3: Uh, I think best case would be they're the worst team in the league and end up getting the number one pick. So in terms of win total, I mean, I would say... 21 wins. Worst case scenario would be that they win 21 games or whatever and end up getting the fifth or sixth pick. I guess because yeah, yeah. you know that chip for next year is all it's about.
2: Yep. Does that sound about right, Jason? yep
0: yeah, absolutely. Like I, I, I have them as a little better right now than the 21 and a half. I think they'll probably maybe get to like 24, 25. Not that that's that's obviously awful. Best case, they definitely need to lose. I'm t- I'm full, all on Team Tank. The only thing I worry about is. If some of the young guys are I guess are a little too good, not that that should that seems like it's counterproductive, but I just I I guess I worry about the Eastern Conference being so bad where like the Bulls are just a little better than you would like them to be, and then they end up like getting like close to the back end of the East playoffs just because the conference sucks so much. Like like Ricky said, they need to get in that top five of the draft. And if they end up outside of that, I feel like that's just very problematic.
2: Yeah, I think they will be the worst team in the league. Uh, I think them or Sacramento or I think will be competing for the worst team in the league um, just because I think the incentives for both of them to tank are quite high. Sacramento because of their pick situation, the Bulls because their best player is is injured. Uh, what do you
1: – I'm just so you mean as in Sacramento needs to get the best pick possible next right. year, yeah, yeah, You're right? Yeah, yeah, right, because they, lose, they their lose their 2019, 2019 pick. Celtics, That's
2: right. Yeah. So and then the Chicago with like their best player being injured and so all the young guys that they have and frankly not having a particularly great coaching situation while still he he is secure in terms of his contract, so he won't necessarily maybe feel the same pressure to coach to win. You would think. So I think they will be the worst team. It's hard to pick under-21 wins, but I think they're going to win
1: under-20 games this year. Wow. Wow, under-20. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I have them right in that mix. All with, for it. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, like, I don't think any Bulls fans will disagree with that, Mike, in terms of what they're hoping for. But, yeah, look, it's it's weird, guys. I'll say this. as um, As the resident fan of the team who's tanked for years and years, like, it's OK in spurts, but having direction and understanding where that's going, why you're tanking, trusting you'll pick the right players in the draft, et cetera. I could see that being the extra little added aspect here for Bulls fans, which you know provides a little trepidation, which is we want to tank. We want to get that top pick. But ultimately, we want the the right people to be making those uh, long-term decisions for the franchise. And I feel like that is a a sentiment that's shared across Bulls
2: universe. OK, so you think that the key to the Bulls rebuild working out is they have to invent an equally catchy slogan. Well, While they that's stink. a good start. It's Okay, a good start. what do you what do you got? Because like, frankly, because that that's like kind of when you say a direction, that's basically what you're saying. Yeah, like yeah. our direction is to lose as much as possible, and we're going to be totally transparent about it.
1: Well, I mean, and ultimately grow a few guys. Uh, I don't I don't have a good term here. Again, but. who
2: have they grown? I mean, through the process, you are talking like Robert Covington, basically.
1: I mean like, TJ McConnell's a process guy, Covington's a process guy, Holmes is a process guy.
2: None
1: of this guy. I mean yeah, they all I mean they were those are second round picks and drafted free agents. Okay,
2: so what's the bulls? the Bulls need to and, and and
1: and uh, Covington was a you know D-leaguer in the Houston organization, so. Hmm? Okay. No, I'm mean, just saying they need a slogan. Yeah, and if you guys have a good slogan by all means to you know send it our way. But I don't have anything good here. I don't know the I don't have the the pulse of the Bulls fan base as, uh, as is is locked in Jason like and Ricky some, here.
2: Something yeah. that yeah. You know, horns and bull. Yes, yeah, or C, some sea red
0: type deal, but that they need to lose. I don't I don't yeah, See a lot think. of
2: red on the body, yeah. as in blood. Yeah.
0: I <laughs> yeah. was thinking red and blood and bad. That's like the only thing I have
1: <laughs> going through my mind right now. <laughs>
2: uh, charge full steam ahead. All right.
1: Well, all right. This is good. This is good. So, uh, first playoff Holy team cow, from last year bad. that we've previewed on this summer podcast here. Ultimately, I uh, believe the consensus here we will be doing them much earlier in the summer previews next year. Um, but I'm sure we'll have. Actually, everything. here's a good question:
2: yeah. What date will be will we record the, the Bulls preview? The Bulls next postmortem? Year? No, no, no. The pre? Yeah, like what <laughs> what day will the Bulls preview run? Oh, wait, what do you mean? Next year? Oh, next year? Yeah. Uh, what What are you thinking? Like, I'm thinking like August I, I'm thinking like August one. I'd say w-
1: beginning of August. <laughs> August 2, I think, was when we started this one. Okay, then August 1 or 2. Yeah. August 1, yeah. 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 They'll be right there. They'll be right there. But um, I'm sure we'll have Ricky and Jason on throughout the uh, course of the year here. We'll uh, hopefully check back on the Bulls' um, young corps' success as they stun the world and hop into the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference this year, making oh, Ricky God, and Jason don't, don't say it. very sad. Um. All behind
2: the hot shooting of Nikola Mirtic, who they're going to lose in free agency. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, Jerry and Grant taking over the point guard position. Yes. And, and who
1: would ever thought that a Zipster and a Pondexter could coexist on the same team? <laughs> wow. The all-name team.
2: Campaign is
0: actually to come back from his third foot surgery in like two years to lead the Bulls to glory. Yeah. See, what's going to happen is
2: he's going to come <laughs> back in like March or April and he's going to play really well and to lead them to the eighth seed and then they're going to give him extension. an extension yeah. and then he's not going to do that <laughs> the rest of the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry to make this.
1: So anyhow, on that note, guys, thanks again for coming on. Uh, that's again Jason Platt and Ricky O'Donnell. Check them out. That's bloggable. And then Ricky's on espnation.com here with, with Mike. Um, guys, thanks for joining us.
0: Absolutely. Thanks.
2: Thanks for having us on again. Cool. So we have uh, Indiana and Portland are coming up next. Yep. Uh, and then Milwaukee. Cool. That's what we got. And then Atlanta and Memphis. So, and then we start to get into the heavy hitters yep. like uh, Oklahoma City, which we were very excited by, and uh, a certain team from the district that had a great hmm. year last
1: year. Hopefully we can find someone to talk on their behalf.
2: Yeah. All right. And it's hard to
1: find a lot of fans of that team, but yeah. we'll do our best. <laughs> and uh, until that time, this is the Limited Upside Podcast.